0: Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 30. Let me read it from another version. Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle, humble, and you'll find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. You know, if you're feeling anxious this morning, don't worry. You're not alone. In fact, it's become somewhat of a national identity. This past June, um, there was an article that was published entitled, Prozac Nation is Now the United States of Xanax. And I had to say this in part, quote, Anxiety is starting to seem like a sociological condition, a shared cultural experience that feeds on alarmist TV graphics and it metastasizes through social media. As depression was to the 1990s, so it seems we have entered a new age of, ang- of age of anxiety, monitoring our heart rates, swiping ceaselessly at our iPhones, filling meditation studios in an effort to calm our racing thoughts. So if you feel that way, well, guess what? You're normal. Now, I guess the question is, is that what we want the new normal to be? <clears throat> Years ago, we sang the Age of Aquarius. Some of you remember that, and some of you are like, I've never heard of that song before. (laughs) I think now the updated version of that song is the Age of Anxiety. Maybe you've seen this poster, or as they like to call it on social media, this meme. It reads this, create a life you don't need a vacation from. Now, I like vacations, and I've taken a few in my lifetime. I recommend them. And I get it, and I, and, I, and I get why we do it. But I also get what this poster is inferring. It reminds me that if we're living a life we continually have to find a way to escape, then we may want to reflect upon the life that we're living. If we always have to come up with time away to get away from where we are, then maybe we need to reflect upon where we are and what that means and what it's doing to us. What if we sought to recover the life we long to live, a life of peace and abundance and soul? And by the way, don't go cancel your vacations now and just tell everybody because your pastor said so. You wouldn't do that anyway. Keep your vacations. But you get the idea. And by the way, I know a lot of people won't because this this year we're estimated to spend up to $100 billion on vacations in 2017. So we're still vacating pretty well. So... We live in a very weary, tired, anxious, escapist age. And I'm not really sure that we're as present to life as we want to be as present to life. I'm very non-present at times. I'm very not here. I'm very somewhere else. And sometimes I'm very somewhere else because I'm tired and I'm weary and I'm anxious. And I just don't want to be present. In your bulletin, there's another version of this passage that Dan has read and I have read, and I'm going to use this as sort of um, my jumping-off point. It's from Eugene Peterson's The Message. Are you tired? This is Matthew 11, 28, 30. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch How I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I've had conversations with all three of those groups at one time or another. I've had conversations with the tired, the worn out, and the burned out. And sometimes they're all the same. Sometimes they're all different. The Common English Bible says this, Come to me, all who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Now, in both these translations and all of these, there's one phrase that is similar. Come to me. This is the life-giving invitation, and it is the simplicity of this gospel message. Come to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Live in connection with Jesus. It's easy to try to find life in other people. It's easy to try to find life in vacations and hard work and religious service, in books and seminars and conferences, and even in clergy. But we begin this with the simple imitation. Jesus says, come to me. It's like that Quaker phrase that I often refer to where George Fox, the founder of Quakers, said years ago, back in the 1600s, there is one that can speak to our condition, and that is Christ. There is one that can speak to my condition. There is one that can speak to your condition. When I go to have something looked at in my physical condition that I know nothing about, I don't know anything about, and I want it addressed, I don't go to a generalist. I go to a specialist. And it's that specialist who can speak to my condition and say, this is what is going on with you. Think of it in those terms. The living Christ is the specialist for our conditions. Books generalize. Conferences generalize. Pastors generalize. We don't know you as well as the living Christ knows you. But Jesus says, come to me. That's the starting point. Eugene Peterson goes ahead and translates this. He goes on, get away with me and you'll recover your life. And if you think about it, we only need to recover something when we've lost it. And somewhere along our way, maybe in our way, in our life's journey, we have lost parts of our lives, we have lost parts of ourself, our life altogether. There's the person seeking to recover their joy. It's been lost in a season of grief, a season of disappointment, or a season of sadness. They want to recover that joy again. They want to recover that life. There's a person seeking to recover their enthusiasm, but it's lost been lost in a never-ending schedule of programs, events, and activities. There's the person seeking to recover their compassion, but it's been lost with continual contact with the deep needs of society. And by the way, I want to give you a heads up. There is such a condition called compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue is basically that condition of, I'm so fatigued from having compassion. I've been giving and giving and giving and giving and, and constantly outputting, but there's been no input. This is why Jesus says, come to me. And by the way, sometimes, if you think about it, are you one of these people that says, I need a vacation for my vacation? Sometimes the input that we do to replace the output just takes more energy. Jesus says, come to me. There's the person seeking to recover their hope and their openness to possibility because it feels as if it been lost in this never-ending cycle of cynicism, negativity, and empty promises. Or the person seeking to recover their sense of purpose and identity, it feels lost in the barrage of expectations from others and overcommitment on our part. And I would add this. There's churches seeking to recover an engaging vision, a sense of mission, which often gets lost in a mountain of activities, events, and programs that feel disconnected from the church's overall mission and purpose. Now, I I put that in there because over the last few weeks, I have have had rumblings. I have had uh, uh, nudges and hunches and whatever language you want to use. Uh, And sometimes it's even a sharp elbow from God into the side. But it's that sense that we need to articulate who we are as a meaning. We need to articulate our sense of mission and our sense of purpose. We need to know why we do what we do. Part of it so that we can leverage our energy in the best way possible the energy that you have, and the energy of ourself as a congregation. And part of it, so that we know that we are keeping in alignment with what God would have us do and be. I had a visit with Al Wayne and Gwen. You know, they have not been to meeting in a long time. They can't get here because of their health and, and, and their inability, but they enjoyed the visit. We had a visit for about an hour and a half. And at the end of the visit... I happened to say to Al Wayne, yeah, I'm going to be in Kansas next week. I think I tell people that because I just need for them to pray for me. Kansas for a whole week in 100-degree heat, so pray for me. So I told him I'd be in Kansas next week. I said, I'm going to be there with a bunch of Quakers, and we're going to be there for uh, three or four days. There's going to be about 250 of them, and we're going to figure out maybe what God is up to. We're going to look at each other for support, and we're going to figure out which way we're going. And she says to me, well, which way are we going? And I said, I don't know, Al Wayne, but that's a very good question. I think sometimes it's easy to lose the way we're going in a mountain of activity when you just have to stop and ask, which way are we going? Remember the slogan years ago? The Navy had it, not just a job, but what? An adventure. That's the spiritual journey, I would hope. It's not just a job. It's an adventure. It's an adventure in love, an adventure in growth, an adventure in partnering with God to see God's dream become a reality here on earth. And It's an adventure in grace and mercy and witnessing the miracle of transformed lives and a changed world. That's the best part about it. I could probably go and talk to Bob tomorrow and tell me, say, Bob, what were the best parts of your years in ministry? And I would probably say, and I would be probably be right, he would say, it's those moments that people's lives are transformed and change, and they discover themselves and God in a new way. Everything else matters, but that is what keeps the fire going. So what do you need to recover? What have you lost along the way? Where do you feel lost, and how can you come to Jesus? We always talk about those come-to-Jesus moments. How can you come to Jesus in a way that says, I'm ready to regain what I lost. Help me. I'm here. I'm open. Eugene Peterson goes on to translate this passage this way. He offers this phrase, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. It's a well-known phrase. They say we're known by the company we keep. I think it's true. The company we keep, it has the potential to shape our actions, our attitudes, our character. We may even have moments where we've needed to distance ourselves from some folks because they've been too toxic or we find their influence on us are ways that are contrary to our values. So we are really known by the company that we keep. It influences us. As I said, I'll be keeping company with a bunch of Quakers next week. But ultimately, it's not whether I keep company with them, but ultimately what is most important as we gather there is are we keeping company with Jesus. Jesus says, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When we choose to keep company with Jesus, we put ourselves in this learning mode. We, we seek to unlearn what doesn't work anymore, and we open ourselves up to learn what we need to learn in order to recover our lives, a life that is more abundant, a life that is free. Listen to that language, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and and lightly if there's anything i would sign up for in a heartbeat it's learning how to live freely and lightly that appeals to me and there's something profound about that because what jesus says is that's the way the spiritual life was intended to be is to live freely and lightly when we keep company with jesus we pay attention to how jesus lived his life and how he tended to his soul think about that how did he live his life well he took time to rest He took time to pray, he took time for stillness and solitude, he even shared in celebratory meals with others, he hung out with others, he he enjoyed his friendships. To live in the way of Jesus, to keep company in the way of Jesus is to realize that it's okay to take care of our soul, it's okay to tend to our soul, it's okay to do the kinds of things that replenish who we are so that we can get back in the game keep company with Jesus is to learn that the moment we surrender our life to God is the moment we discover the adventurous life we've been missing. Jesus surrendered his life to the mission of God's kingdom. He surrendered his life to the care of God's abundance. He surrendered his life to the way of love and forgiveness. And when he prayed in the garden, not your will be done, but mine. Actually, I got that backwards. Not my will be done, but yours. See, I did that yesterday. I posted that And Carol Ann wrote me as an email. She says, I loved your quote, but you might want to edit it. (laughs) So I went back and looked at it online. I thought, what did I write? Not your will be done, but mine. And I thought, is that a Freudian slip or what? (laughs) See? Because maybe in reality, maybe in reality, our first go-to is what? Not your will be done, but mine. Maybe what I have to unlearn is it's not always my my will. What I have to relearn, it's God's will. And keeping company with Jesus is learning that the moment we surrender our life to that is when we live the adventurous life. It is God's ultimate will, that of love and reconciliation and living under His care and providence and living under His nurturing of our life, that God will cover all the needs that I need. To keep company with Jesus is to learn that even he valued being in community with others and the support of his friends. When he was praying in the garden, his most agonizing moment, he welcomed the support of his closest friends. He was even a bit disappointed when he discovered that they had fallen asleep. He valued having downtime with his disciples and getting away with times of rest and relaxation. And who knows what they did? They just hung out. To keep company with Jesus really is to say, we weren't intended to do this alone. We weren't intended to live this spiritual journey on our own as a solitary journey. We were intended to do it with others, to be nourished and supported by others. And to keep company with Jesus is to learn that he kept company and welcomed into his presence the vulnerable, the outcast, the marginalized, the shamed, the broken, the lonely, the despised, and often the invisible. And that word never gets mentioned in Scripture, the invisible. But I remember that word, or I think about that word. I think about how many people in our society just seem invisible to us because maybe they're not like me or maybe because society doesn't know what to do with them or maybe because they don't feel as if they have any useful part in society. They become invisible. There were no invisible people to Jesus. Everybody stood out. Everybody was clear. Everybody was real. I heard a speaker once say, what was ministry for Jesus? Ministry for Jesus happened to be who was ever in front of him in that moment. There was never an invisible person with him. To me, that is a profound reality to move into this world realizing there are no such thing as invisible people. Keeping company with Jesus is realizing that everybody in front of us is a sacred reality. And how can we be present with them? I go back to that question that I had with Al Wayne, and she asked me, so which way are we going? Well, good question, Al Wayne. I'll get back to you. But I pray, this is my prayer, I pray, first of all, that we're going in the way of Jesus. That's our starting point. Because I'm confident if we start there, it will take us to where we need to be and to who we need to be. There's a quote in your uh, bulletin. I want to finish with this. It's under the uh, paraphrase, and we'll have a few moments of um, reflection. I think it's in your bulletin. I may or may not have put it there, but this is what it reads. The invitation to follow the way of Jesus doesn't help us cope with the busy lives we have or support our quest for the American dream. It does offer us a radical alternative, to the way of this world that is making us hurried, wearied, and tired. We are being invited to discover a way of life and surrender to the Master that is more fulfilling and free than any way that we could imagine or make for ourselves. All we have to do and all we can do is take our next step into the kingdom of love, not comparing ourselves with anyone else, but listening to the voice of the teacher show us how to begin. And maybe we'll just leave it at that, where this writer offers this. All we have to do and all we can do is take our next step into the kingdom of love. And I think a helpful question always for me is, so what is that next step? What is the next step for you and I to move out of a life that is constantly weary and hurried and tired? What is that next step that you and I may need to take to recover what we've lost? What is that next step that we may need to take to live in company with Jesus in a way that feeds our souls and nourishes us and moves us in a way of life abundant and a life of joy?